Hey everyone, this is Josh from Solopreneur Grind. It is episode 51 of the Solopreneur Grind podcast. I am here with Rajiv. Rajiv, really appreciate uh, you taking the time to come on today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So Rajiv, really excited to, to dig into your background, hear a little bit more about uh, everything it is that you do. I, I've, I've really enjoyed the content that you put out and, and the, the format that you put it out in. But for those who haven't heard of you, could you give us a little background about, uh, about who you are and what you're working on? Absolutely. So I'm a, an executive and an entrepreneur. That's what my career has been over the last two plus decades. I've done different things on the entrepreneurial side. I've been a health and wellness executive over the last close to two decades now. And, um, you know, obviously, like everyone else, when you go on a career journey or a professional journey, there's a whole lot of things that you gather in terms of your experience, your expertise, your skills. And I wanted to find a way of putting it out there for others to benefit from it. You know, I think you get to a point in your life where you want to be able to produce and offer as much as you can for others to benefit from it. And this was my way of doing it. I decided to go down the podcasting route. I have a right. podcast by name, Plan B Success. It's available on all the major plat- podcasting platforms. And it's also available on planb.live. And what I do there is it's a three episode a week podcast. The first one, every Monday, it's an interview with some inspiring individual, be it an entrepreneur, an athlete, a musician, whoever it is you know, who has taken a pivot and succeeded at what they do. And then on Wednesdays and Fridays, I pick a topic that would be of uh, interest in the business world or the professional world, the career world, so to speak. And then I obviously do my own research and then it's me and the mic. I talk about it anywhere from about 10 to 20 minutes. And those are the two episodes that go in there. So that that's what I began about roughly four months ago. And uh, that's what I've been working on of late. Very cool. And what was it that made you decide to go with that form of, of content, the podcasting? And then as well as that, I mean, I, I'm always interested in talking about this because I'm interested in knowing how people come up with their content creation strategies. So so number one, I'm interested, why did you pick podcasting? And then number two, why that breakdown of, of one interview and, and two self Per week? Did, did that kind of come naturally or, or did it evolve over time? You know, uh, the first reason why I chose that particular name, for instance, your plan B success. You know, I'm a firm believer that a majority of us end up in a profession or a career more by chance than by actual planning. So, you know, you go, you go to college mm-hmm. or you study something academically, you're focused on something. And for some people, it's a general, you know, the next level of graduation is you fall into a job or you pick up a job in line with what you've studied. Well, maybe about 10% of people do that. And, you know, the majority of us, we end up in a career that may or may not have anything to do with what we are academically qualified for. At the same time, you know, you don't make a conscious choice at that particular age as to what you're getting into. I believe a lot of people generally do that for, for those who actually step into a career, which is their passion, you know, they're very lucky people, but for a lot of other people, they evolve through that, through that process of going through a career, you know, working on a profession. And then they generally have a lot of self introspection going on at different points in time. 
and at a later point they figure out what their actual passion is you know where does their interests lie and there are people who actually make the pivot towards what they are passionate about and i think those are the people that find success in things that they're passionate about so this name was basically based on that particular theory that you you can make a pivot in life at any point in time towards what you really want to do so that's where i came up with that plan b success that you know your plan b is where you'll find your success mm-hmm. and uh, i've been blogging and writing and speaking since last 10 10 plus years and i know that uh, from a content standpoint you know i can really distill stuff i can come up with good content and i've been pretty successful at it um and when i looked at what do i really want to do how do i want to present it back into the community i never even thought of podcasting as a format at all you know i had a little time on my hands and then i started listening to a few episodes here there i have never listened to podcasts in a pretty long time and then i said okay this is a pretty neat format and obviously it's growing nowadays you know over the last uh, mm-hmm. 10 years i think it's kind of been very very slowly picking up but of late i think there's a lot more awareness around it you like you said right there were other options i could continue with my blogging that is one format i could uh, look at jumping into videos and try to do something on the youtube side of things and then i figured out okay that's going to take a lot of time and energy to do something like that and then once i realized that uh, podcasting was a medium then i went into a whole uh, search and discover mode you know i didn't really sign up for any specific lessons from any of the experts out there but i listened to a lot of different experts who have been successful at podcast trying to figure out how did they do it then i did my own generic research figured out how to set up a podcast fig- figured out everything you know from cover art to hosting to getting right. your podcast up with all these different platforms everything and then i went about it you know step by step and i i did it and then obviously you know i downloaded some software in order to record i played around with it i dabbled with it uh spent a spent the initial time figuring out how to do it but after that once you kind of get through a couple of episodes it all becomes pretty structured it it comes mm-hmm. to you naturally in terms of how you want to do these podcasts for instance i did start with my individual episodes because i had the content and i could talk and i really i wanted to get into interviewing but i wasn't sure you know i didn't want to be another podcast out there just interviewing people as well so my first couple of weeks were just my own uh, you know my, it's just me and the mic my solo episodes i did that i believe for about 2 weeks before i got my first interview and once i got my first interview then you know obviously i reached out for the first set of interviews now i have a good flow of people reaching out in terms of getting interviewed mm-hmm. and i just do one one interview a week so at any given point of time if i have about four to six interviews recorded i think i'm in a good spot uh, so so that's how i i do it now and then i decided you know it it's got to be a blend of me talking about something but it's got to be a blend of somebody else sharing their experience as well and i th- i thought that would make the podcast more interesting for the listeners at the same time that would offer them the level of depth that they're looking for in different topics and that would offer them different perspectives you know my perspective as well as the perspective of someone else who i bring in as a guest so it will give them that flavor that they may be looking for in the podcast and that's how i came about it 
Yeah, the, and and I totally connect to that. I, I started out kind of the other way, which was I started out interviewing and then over time uh, started adding in what I call now the SG Daily, where I uh, I chime in by myself once a week with an update and, and lessons and stuff like that. I, I just wrote a blog post about how you know, you need to kind of find the right balance that works for you, right? Like what you were saying is you did a bit, a little bit, a little bit of research and then you, you got into it, right? And you start and you see how it sort of evolves, what you feel comfortable with, uh, what feels natural. Can you recommend to people, how, like what, how do you find the right balance between doing enough research, preparing and then on the other hand, just pulling the trigger, right? Because there's so much content online, you could prepare and research and read for years and never actually get started. So how do you approach preparing and, and doing some research, keeping in mind that you still want to be able to take enough action and, and get that content out there? Sure. So I think, you know, there's a fine line between true research and opinionating. Right. A lot mm-hmm. of people can get in on get on the mic or even on a blog post when you write something, you can opinionate. You can basically put your opinion out there and just leave it for people to consume it, discount it however they want to treat it. You know, I don't think a lot of people are looking for that, especially the ones that are looking for depth in, in any kind of a topic. Right. They would like to hear, you know, they don't want a decision made for them. They would like to hear the pros and cons, the facts around whatever that topic is and then leave it up to them to make the decision. You can still opinionate after you provided your facts saying, you know, my opinion is I go with this, but mm-hmm. then you leave it up to them as to how they want to consume it. And you know, that's where the interaction happens. I think that's where the people that are listening can come back to you to comment on it or question it or talk about it, whatever it is. And I think until true interaction happens, it's a one way street. You know, you're the one who's putting content out there and until people consume it and they are moved to actually react to it. You don't know if your content's working or not. So uh, right. I, I think I think that's one thing. The other thing is, when I started blogging, for instance, it was out of you know I would pick a topic and it was my curiosity. For example, way back in 2011 or so, I started blogging around healthcare. You know that's that's where I was working, and then you know I'm an immigrant. You know I came from India. I've seen a totally different way healthcare is delivered back in India through the years. And then I see a total different way healthcare is delivered here. And at a point in time in 2011, I had this question that I asked myself, you know, which is the best healthcare? You know, when you look at it, there's a lot of countries that tout their own healthcare as the best, you know, for instance, Europe, Mm -hmm. um, in some cases, universal healthcare. Um, In some cases, uh, you know, for instance, if you look at some of the Eastern countries like Bhutan and all that, Nepal, for instance, they talk about happiness index. So there's several different things that, that, that come into this. Healthcare is not just about health. You know, it's about the physical and the mental aspect of it and all that. So I, did, I spent some time researching this. You know, I mm-hmm. actually went and read about healthcare and how it's been acting and what, what people think about it for a, about a dozen different countries. You know, Europe, I picked up a couple of countries, Germany, France, UK, then India, then, you know, uh, then the, some of the smaller countries, Bhutan and so, which, which is, again, you know, it's a developing country. And then the U.S. and then Canada. And I did my own research. You know, obviously, there was a lot of stats I collected. I looked at uh, some of the WHO stats, for instance. And 
you know, I, after I collected all that, I, it's, I started uh, framing up that whole concept in my mind in order to say healthcare in the East is delivered this way. And this is where they stand. This is what they spend. And on the ranking column, this is where they stand. Whereas healthcare in the West is delivered this way. This is where they stand. And this is how they're ranked. And mm-hmm. you know, bottom line, what I came to the conclusion was there are lessons on either side that the other side can learn in terms of improving their own care. And after I did that amount of research, I needed to tell myself that I understood this whole, the whole concept that I was researching. And the best way for me to convince myself that I had understood what I was researching was to regurgitate it back to myself. And what better way than to write an article or a post? So I did exactly that. And, mm-hmm. and when, once I wrote it, obviously, you know, I gave it, I put it aside for a couple of days, went back to it and read it with a fresh mind. And now it was not me speaking to myself. It was the article speaking to me. And right. I kind of stuck to that principle for the longest time in my career. Even now, that's what I do, right? Even some of the stuff that I talk on my podcast is exactly that. You know, it's me doing the research, but it is me telling it back to myself. So as much as it benefits the readers or the listeners, it benefits me in order to just solidify my point of view based on my own research. And I think that's, that's the concept. That's the, that's the way I like to do it. And that's how I do it. Because then it also provides me the enough of depth because I, I pretty much go in deep. I, I do deep research. It's not superfluous. So I'm convinced about the depth. I'm convinced about the facts, figures, the numbers are out there. And so it's not me op- just opinionating. It's basically based on facts. And, I, and that's the way I like to do it. Right. And, and I think the other reason why it's important is for just when you're that much more interested to go through that process to create that content, it'll keep you, it'll keep you going, right? Probably one of the reasons why you've been able to stick at it for this long and the quality is quite good is that you have an interest in those topics, right? Especially uh, based on business and personal development, probably stemming from your, your long career. And I'd love to go back into that as well, Rajiv, like, could we talk about how you got to where you are now? So maybe take us through a little bit of how your professional career got started and, and what kind of led you to where you are now? Absolutely. So, you know, I actually hold an MBA and a master's in personal management from India. I took it in the mid nineties. And while I was in my second year doing it, uh, there was a Canadian company. It was called wholesale warehousing industries. And I think later it changed its name to DS max. Uh, this was back in mid nineties. They decided to come to India and start um, this whole new concept of direct marketing that was not known in India at that point in time. So they came with a lot of foreign merchandise, so books and toys and gifts and kitchenware, all that kind of stuff. And they started this operation. One of the cities that they started this operation happened to be the one where I was studying. And while my friends were actually getting prepared for campus interviews and placements, I decided to go and find out what they're all about. So I went and I joined them. And then there was a trainer, an American guy, who actually took me out the first day on the field, just to show me the ropes, you know, what this was all about. And we went and we met almost about 250, 300 people trying to sell the merchandise he was lugging in a bag. Hmm. And we ended up selling probably about 20 yard pieces. And then we came back and then that was the job. 
you know, going door to door. And I signed up for it. And I went door to door with that company for about a year and a half, you know, the year. Five days a week? Five days a week. You know, while I was doing my second year MBA, you know, I figured out how to keep the balance between my MBA and that. And uh, I did that. I built a team. Uh, Once I built a team and I met the required number of units to be sold per week, that kind of stuff, they gave me a franchisee office. And after I, you know, I graduated, I spent another six months with them. And then I went and opened up my office with my own team. And then I was with them for about a year selling merchandise. And it was a pretty lucrative business. And, and, And it was hard selling. So it was, you know, it was on the street. I remember my first day I came back, um, uh, by the afternoon, I threw the bag and I said, you know, this is it. I can't do this. You know, one, one, one aspect of it was here you are doing an MBA and then you're being a salesman. And, you know, obviously your family, friends, society, everybody doesn't look at, look up to you at that point. You know, while all my other friends were trying to get into managerial positions, here I was going door to door. But then more importantly, I had a few people that basically shut the door on my face, pretty much banged the door on my face while I was trying to pitch a product and, you know, it got the better of me. I came and I dumped the bag. And then mm-hmm. the guy who trained me, he sat me down, gave me a bottle of water. And he just had a very serious talk with me. He said, listen, either you can decide to give up and go back and, you know, don't come back and uh, your history. For me, you're forgotten. You know, I don't even know what you're going to do in life. Or you face those negatives, go out there, believe in the law of averages, which is, you know, you go and meet 300 people, at least 30 people are going to buy your product. And, you know, that's how you fine tune your pitch. That's how you get good at what you're trying to do. And just be ignorant or don't even bother about the negatives. You know, just be like a, you know, just be like a rhino that, you know, the raindrops fall on it. It just shrugs away and just keeps going down its path. And I listened to him. I went that day and irrespective of the negatives, I, you know, I, I didn't sell 30 pieces. I probably sold about 15, came back, but I stuck with it. You know, I thought that was pretty awesome the way what he said to me and it stuck with me. And, you know, that's how I, I got to go through the program and get into a franchisee office. I ran it very well for about a year, at which point the company decided that they were not going to import any merchandise anymore, but they were going to source it locally. And once they started sourcing it locally, you know, I told myself, you know, if they can do it, if they can source it locally, why can't I? I can source it locally. So mm-hmm. I started looking at uh, sourcing options and I found my options and I decided to part ways with them. And I stood up my own direct marketing company. I grew it to about uh, 12 locations, 300 associates going door to door in about a year. Wow. I ran it. uh, It was, it was a good business gig. I ran it well. I divested from it a couple of years later. And at which point technology was booming in India, you know, it was all about, uh, technology outsourcing and all that that uh, that was the time when it just started the wave had started i joined a technology consulting firm i actually opened up their exports division for them getting their consulting services out of india basically middle east and you know pan asia and then the next best thing for me was to come to the us so i came to the us as a student i did another mba here and after i did that I, all my experience, all the stuff that I'd done back in India didn't hold any value here because, you know, it was all in a different market at that point in time. And I'm talking about 2001, 2002, uh, they just didn't really care. And I had to start from scratch. So I joined a benefits admin company as a business analyst. 
hands-on business analyst. You know, I spent about three and a half years with them. I grew through the ranks. I became a project manager. I was managing uh, about $20 million in open enrollment revenue. And then, you know, I moved from one company to the other and I grew through the ranks to become an executive. Um, and then I stuck with the health and wellness space. I ended up, like I said, right, I ended up in the benefits administration, health and wellness space. I stuck with the mm-hmm. space. You know, I came out to, you know, I came out to being regarded as an expert in the space. I, you know, I did what all I had to do through my career and I grew my career um, through that. You know, meanwhile, I obviously like, you know, generally that entrepreneurial streak is always there. Um, so in the companies that I've been, I've actually helped establish business units, commercialize them, um, you know, grew them to multi-million dollar revenues, high margins. I also set up a few side gigs at vocational training school on the side. So the, the things that I've done, uh, you know, as I progressed in my career, and uh, that's the culmination of all that I talk about in my podcast as well. Right. And it definitely sounds like you have some entre- entrepreneurial blood uh, in your veins, <laughs> Rajiv. Would you say that's the case? And, and were you always like that kind of, you know, keeping an eye out for good opportunities and, and looking for side hustles and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, it's, uh, that's pretty hard to die down, right? Once you're an entrepreneur, you're always an entrepreneur. So whether you are holding a, a job with a company or whether you're doing something on your own, you're always looking at it from that, from the lens of growth, lens of what can you do different, lens of how can you make an impact. And that's always playing in the back of my mind. Right. And can you give us some, and by us, I'll just say on uh, solopreneurs who maybe they, they're just starting out or they have no sales experience. Could you give us some key takeaways from the lessons you learned in those first few years doing the direct marketing? And, and the, a reason I, I ask this question to most guests, especially ones like you with so much practical experience, is obviously sales is extremely important, especially as a solopreneur, because you tend to be the one and only salesperson. So just wondering if you, if you have a few key takeaways from those first few years in the direct marketing space. Yeah, sure. I think one of the things that we used to do is when you, when you pitch, you were doing things around, you know, we had this less than two minute pitch. So when you have to meet about 300 odd people, one of the things that we did is we had to spend less than two minutes, try to close a sale and move to the next one. So we really got good at that craft of pitching and not really spending a whole lot of time talking about, uh, you know, the product and all that couple of features you highlight, and then you try to close the sale with a fear of loss. You know, you don't buy it now, then you're going to miss out the opportunity next week. It might not be out for sale. It might be a different product. And, you know, honestly, it was so because, you know, we, we visited the same customers. They would ask about a previous product and then we would say not available now. You know, we, you had your chance and that, ex- and that actually helped with future sales. So the, those were some of the things that we did. But I think, you know, when you look at it, when you look at 20 years ago or 10 years ago, for that matter, you know, sales was more impersonal. It was all about, you know, talk about create an aura and then you sell. When you look at today, it's different. It's about being authentic. It's about being who you are, being authentic, talking about your story, forming a connection with your clientele, prospects, audience, whoever it is, and showing them that it's you're on the same level playing field as them. You're not up there on a pedestal trying to sell them down a tool while they're looking up at you. You're on the same playing field, playing field as them, and you have to be authentic about 
your experiences, your pain points and how you came came about and how you transformed yourself. And that's where you promise them. That's what you promise them, that transformation that they can have for themselves. And you are the best person to guide them because you've been there, done that, and nobody else understands their pain point as much as you do. I think that's what today is all about, right? It's all about authenticity, mm-hmm. just because we are in that social media phase. You know, one of the things that I tell people is when we look back at a couple of different generations, if I look back at the generation of, you know, my my parents, for instance, they were the generation where it was more of the industrial revolution, right? They, they were basically trying to hold a job, you know, run a family, uh, get a decent paycheck. And that was what it was all about. When you, when you look at, you know, my generation, for instance, it, this was the information age where we were about improving standards of living, right? It was not just about holding a job, but have a decent standard of living that you can give to your family. You know, that's what we worked on. Now we are in a gen, we are in the social age, you know, it's all about social media. It's not anymore about, uh, you know, just holding a job or holding uh, anything, any enterprise that you're doing, or it's not even about just standards of living. It's about the quality of life. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, how much of quality can you induce in whatever living that you're experiencing? So there's a change. There's a shift from where, from generation to generation in terms of where we are and where we are going. And people need to understand that just because there's so much of social connectivity, everything in the public eye the best thing that you can do for yourself is be authentic about your life, your business and whatever you you're doing, because whether you like it or not, you're in the public layer 24 seven. So might as well be honest to yourself and be authentic and then use your skills to sell your authenticity. Right. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great way to kind of put all that together. So Rajiv, at, at what point, did, did the blog or the, you know, all this type of content really start at, at what stage in your career? You know, I, like I said, you know, about uh, 10 plus years ago, you know, obviously I was, uh, you know, I was going through my career like generally anybody would, but then I told myself that, uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta find a better way of doing it. You know, I honestly believe that when you look at, you look at actors or you look at, any of these uh, people that are in specific professions where their work is showcased for us. And then there's a repertoire of their work over the years. Like you take any, take any actor, right? You can go back to the very first film or movie that they did and it's still out there and people even look up to it even today. But when you take the, the common man or the common woman, when you go through an entire career, there's, there's no way of recording what you've done. There's no way when you retire, right? You probably get a watch and then you're sent home and thank you very much. And that's it. It's Mm -hmm. it's over for you. But then when you look back at it, there's nothing to, uh, to really distill or show the world what you've done in the, in your, whatever that career is 30 years or 40 years or how much ever time you've spent. And that's sad. I think everybody needs to have a chance to be able to showcase what they have done. You know, I I came up with this somewhere like 10 years ago. And I was like, you know, I got to do something different. It goes back to personal branding, right? So I got to do something different where it's all in my head. I got to put pen to paper. Now it's the mic, you know, some way of recording this and putting it out there. 
those that are seeking it will find it. That's for sure. And then you, when you retire or, you know, when you go through your life and when you look back, you would know that you have at least tried to distill your experiences, your skills, you know, your expertise in some form or fashion and left it out there for the world to consume. Mm-hmm. And that, that was my beginning point. You know, that's, that's how I, I look at it. You know, one of my first episodes actually in my podcast is, is I talk about gratitude for life. I talk about how life, how I look at life, you know, in 20 year chunks, so to speak. And your first 20 years, it's all about learning, learning, learning. Your next 20 years, you know, you, you're doing things where you're, you know, you're, you're trying to, you know, re, uh, get married, raise a family, whatever you're trying to do there. At the same time, you're trying to make sure that you set yourself up in your career. You know, your next 20 years after that is looking back and saying, you know, what the hell did I do? So, so many years, you know, for mm-hmm. some people, they might be proud of what they did in their first 40 years. For some people, it's like, did I miss the boat? Right. And then they're looking at reinventing themselves. They're looking at providing for their family, but this is the time they come in terms with, uh, come to terms with their passions, their hobbies, their skill sets, you know, uh, and this is the time for them to pursue before, before they feel they missed the boat so that they start doing things that they really enjoy. They start discovering themselves so that when they get to that later parts in their life, they don't have to regret anything. You know, they, they have been there, done it. They have done it to the best of their abilities. And I think that's one thing people need to recognize. No matter what you do in life, never have a regret in life. You know, mm-hmm. at least tell yourself you tried it. Whether you come out successful or not is another thing. But if you did not even try it, you will have a regret in life, uh, you know, at a later point in time saying, I could have been this, I could have been that, I could have tried this. You know, make sure that irrespective of what you do and what you achieve, never ever leave yourself to regret, you know, towards the end of your life. Right. Yeah, that's, that's very well said. What would you recommend then, Rajiv, for someone, maybe they're in their 20s or, or even 30s, 40s, 50s, and they feel like, they haven't taken enough action in in that exact way, right? So maybe they're not happy with their job, they're not happy with their life, whatever it may be. But for whatever reason, they haven't taken any action or or they're not even sure what to do next to change that feeling. What would you recommend that they do or, or start thinking about? Sure. So, you know, when you look at the people in the 20s right now, and I'm looking at a few, what I see is, these guys haven't even started down the journey of life, so to speak. But these guys are already talking about how to lead life. You know, they're the ones who are out there on the podcast. They're the one who are out there on YouTube. They're the one who are actually blogging. They're the one who are out there speaking. You know, the, tw- the people in the 20s. And uh, they're pre- doing a pretty good job at it. Respect- and sometimes it surprises me, right? I, you know, obviously you reflect back to your yourself when you were in 20. I never had the kind of clarity that I see in some of these people out there. For that matter, my own kids, right? Mm-hmm. When I look at the way my kids talk or we discuss certain things, I see a totally different level of clarity that they have versus what I had at that age. I think that's just the way things have been with the passage of time. I think the younger generation has a lot more clarity than the older generations ever had, which is a great thing. But when the younger generations are out there trying to create and provide value, 
the older generations have a lot more in terms of the experience that they have had over their lifetime where they can provide a lot more value than the younger generation. I truly believe that. It's just a matter of the older generation stepping out and trying to distill their, their value and providing it. To your point, there are challenges, right? Somebody who's uh, always held a job, whether they liked it or not, and some, in some cases, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but you know, there, some, some people have to do what they have to do. You, you, know, you need to bring a paycheck in, whether you like your job or not, mm-hmm. you gotta stick to it because you have a family to support and you gotta bring that paycheck in. But that doesn't hold you back from spending some of your own personal time on things that you love, things that you cherish. And you gotta start somewhere. The difficult part for the older generation is the, perhaps the technology. How do I how do I get it out there? Hey, I've had this kind of a, this is the kind of a, uh, you know personal uh, influence or this is the kind of a impression that I've created for myself over the years. Now we are talking about something different, totally different. Now we are talking about you letting go of the impression that you have created over the last twenty plus years and stepping out of that zone and creating a totally new you that could be challenging you know that could people could be thinking twice about that as to what kind of an impact is it going to have on my personal life my professional life those those are questions people often struggle with the technical challenges you know how do you create a podcast how do you put it out there how do you market it there those are some of the questions they struggle with as well but you know obviously there's help there's support that you can uh, reach out to and and figure it out. But more importantly, until you decide to let go of your ego and step out of your comfort zone, the best of help cannot help you. Right. You, have to, you have to make that decision. It's, it's a difficult decision. You, you know, I totally get it. For instance, you know, I, I look at myself, right? I look at, you know, I, I put a book together. You know, the, the, the couple of books I'm writing, the first time I put a book together, you know, you have all kinds of people around you. You, you have people who are going to push you and say, hey, hey you got to do this. You're going to have push people who are going to say, why are you putting a book together? You know, what do you have to say? You, you've got mm-hmm. that. At the same time, uh, you know, I've put a f- couple of digital courses. To, the stuff we are talking about right now, that's my, what my courses are about. You know, helping people find their sphere of influence, helping people rediscover themselves, rediscover their confidence. There's a whole program I do on that. There's also another program that I do on actually distilling your skills, expertise, all of that, and then turning that into a digital course or a digital program or a mastermind that you can do virtually or in person and how you can benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Now, these are things that I've created, but you know, back to the point that I've been on Facebook forever. You know, I've been on Facebook for a pretty long time, but it's been a personal platform for me. You know, it's been a platform where I have a group of friends that are out there. It's been a platform where it's all about, you know, sharing readings over different occasions or just personal stuff. But when you get into this solopreneur mentality, like you talked about, this is about using that same platform, leveraging that platform for something larger, you know, for in, in one sense to build a following in another sense to also, um, be able to sell what you're creating, right? To reach the, the maximum number of people that you can. So one of the things, obviously, you know, you have your page. I have my book page there. I have my podcast page. I have a group that I've set up for the courses. I've done all of that. But then recently, 
one of the things that I had to do was I put these landing pages and order pages, order confirmation pages for my courses, the very first one. And I had to put it out there. You know, the first group of people that I should be reaching out is people that are connected to me to see who would be interested in that. You know, that's a struggle, right? You, you've always mm-hmm. had this other kind of a impression on people and now you're trying to sell them a course. And, you know, I, I had to do it. I put it out there. You know, for, for the first couple of days, it was uh, pin drop silence. I had all kinds of friends going and checking it out. Uh, nobody commented, nobody liked, um, nobody did anything with it. But then, you know, people, uh, people will come around. You know, a couple of weeks later, they started coming around. They started checking into it. People started reaching out, asking what is it, it is about. And then the ball starts rolling because now you're making a very dramatic shift from who you were to who you want to be. Right. And that, that's pretty important. That's pretty important for people to understand that it's not going to be easy, but it's got to be done. If it is not done, you will live in regret if you're out there to do that exact thing. Because once it's done, then you have, then, then it's about the ball rolling. And the faster it rolls, the more momentum it gathers. So, mm-hmm. so that initial hunch is where you got to make sure that you are persistent, you take care of what you're trying to do, and, and you do the right thing by yourself. Right. Absolutely. Rajiv, could you give us a few tips, maybe two, three pieces of advice, a little, a little bit more, I guess, tactical on if someone is, maybe they have an idea, they are interested in, in making a course or starting a pot, you know, creating some sort of content. Uh, any pieces of advice to actually get started once they have their kind of vision or, or, or mission? Uh, in their head? Sure, absolutely. I think what, for the first thing is it's about getting your ideas clear. The first is it's your dream, right? What do you want to be? And it can be as, you know, big, hairy, and audacious as possible. You could say, I want to replace Tony Robbins out there in the personal coaching space. That, mm-hmm. That's a great goal to have. And I would welcome that goal from anybody, right? So, and then you you look at crystallizing your ideas. You know, what are you good at? What do you want to get good at? What, what, what value do you have to provide others? So basically a lot of introspection, looking at yourself for who you are, you know, what skills have you carried? And, ha- you know, you might feel good about certain things about yourself. You know, externally, others might feel good about certain things about yourself. It's basically about distilling all that and then coming to that point where you can pick one single niche, one skill, one niche. And once you have that, and then the niche can be, who's your customer? You know, who's that ultimate customer that you're trying to serve? And you need to determine that not to keep it generic, but to get it very, very close to being very particular about who that customer is, being really sharp about targeting one kind of a persona. And then you, you create your program around it. You, and one is the actual program creation. The second is a marketing strategy strategy you know and then the third is getting getting the all the technical stuff in a row so if you mm-hmm. if you master all these and there's the aspect of things that you're good at and things that you're not good at things that you're good at you got to hold on close to yourself where you know if you're good some people are good on the creative side of things some people are good at the technical side of things so whatever you're good at you got to hold that close to yourself the rest of it you can find others out there that you can outsource to and, and get that done. And then once you put it all together, then it's about publicizing it and actually going through finding your customers and going through a couple of iterations of you 
running that program. And once you have done it a couple of times, you build your confidence, you build your, your creative juices start flowing, you get better at better at content. And then you can look at uh, continuing down the path of however you want to do it. You want to do uh, in-person masterminds. That's great. If you want to do virtual, that's great. You want to package all of this into a program where 90 plus percent of it is automated. That's great. Then you focus only on finding your customers and selling it to them. And then you have an automated course in the back that can help them go through the entire course. And then you still continue down with your rapo of uh, trying to help them. The, I think the goal being that you have to help people get to where they want to be, give them the results that they're seeking. As long as you're successful in giving them the results that they're seeking, you're in business and you'll do very well for yourself. So I think that's pretty important. Mm -hmm. In fact, you know, like I said, right, I have two courses. One is called the Plan B Success Blueprint. And that exactly does this, which is right from your dreams, ideas, finding a more confident you, the technical aspect of it, the creative aspect of it, the marketing aspect of it. And then it takes you to that entire journey to actually ensure that you have a blueprint in hand in order to go and execute. And then I have another program that's called the Plan B Success Reveal. And that's about what I talked about, which is if you're somebody who wants to get into this space, this will help you distill your qualities, your skills, your expertise. It will reintroduce you to a more confident you. You know, I believe people fall in three buckets. The first bucket is people that are totally, they want to do something different. They have no idea what, they're not confident about it. They literally need to be reintroduced to themselves, a more confident themselves so that they can get their journey kickstarted. The second group of people are people who have the confidence in what they want to do, but they're just confused. They don't know what their skills are. They don't know what their expertise is. And they need help distilling that and pointing a finger at this is you. This is what you should be going after. And that's a journey that you take together with, with the person. And then the third group of people, they're confident. They know they can do stuff. They are very sure about their skills and expertise. They know exactly what they want to do, whether it's a program, online program, or whatever that is. And these people, all they need is they need somebody to hold their hand to take them through the journey to the finish line, which is, you know, maybe go through the technology part of it, marketing part of it, and how do they get their, start getting their name out there and then leave them so that they can run it by themselves. I, th I think people fall in these three buckets and these programs that I just talked about address these needs for these people. Right. And we'll, we'll link to all those in the description. Rajiv, this has been a really insightful conversation. You, you mentioned, and I do agree with the fact that the people who have, you know, had longer careers, just been around longer with more experiences, probably have a lot more value to give, uh, especially now that uh, technology makes it so easy to do it. It's just a matter of them actually taking the action behind it. Uh, what would you say, kind of my last question here before we get into uh, some plugs and some links and stuff like that is what are the two or three pieces of information that you'd give to the younger generation just in general based on your career and, and all the experiences you've had? You know, I think to the younger generation, you know, they are, as I said, they have, they have a good amount of clarity and mostly what I've seen from the younger, younger generation is obviously they respect experience too from, from the older generation. But I think for the younger generation, what I would suggest to them is that whatever they are out to create, it's important for them to get into depth. 
it is important for them to actually put the time into researching things. You know, they may not have the experience, but there's enough material out there for them to research and gain from others' experiences to crystallize their message and then put it out to the world. I think that's important. That tells mm -hmm. a lot about, it's not about the age, it's not about the experience, but it's about how good are you at distilling others' experiences and putting it in front of the world. That's one thing that I would say. Second thing is they're very savvy with technology. And a lot of today's technology is, you know, obviously has been picking up uh, mainly because of one reason or the other from, from the younger generations. And I would continue to ask them to put it to the right use in terms of the technology that is out there. Put it to the right use where you can inspire others, where you can continue to share your message. And the more lives you touch, the better you will feel and the better place the world will be. So that's another one. And then the third one is technology today has made any kind of content totally accessible, good, bad, or worst. And it's important to understand uh, that the difference between what will help you and what will not. Mm -hmm. It's also important to understand the, uh, that you need to spread the message around that. You know, today, cell phones, for instance, are in the hands of probably elementary kids and middle school kids, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely and, is, yeah. And they can, just, they can just punch a few keys and they can get access to any kind of content when they're of such impressionable minds. And that's the fear that, you know, I have for my own kids too. There's certain things that you can do, but there's, you're limited to only certain things that you can be privy as to what, what's going on. You know, they spend a bunch of their time out in school, in different activities, with friends. And it's, it's important to, it's different today. You know, today I feel like uh, it's important to have those conversations with the younger kids, especially uh, right up front. You know, it's, it's, it's no longer about curiosity. At a point in time, it was about curiosity and that would push people to try to take a peek and see, you know, what is it that people are trying to avoid me from getting into it? Today, it's not that. Today, it's about awareness. Mm -hmm. You know, make them aware of what's right, what's wrong and what's uh, available out there and put the right values in them so that, um, you know, they're not going after things that can destroy their careers or their life in the future. And, and I think that's one thing that all of us have to take responsibility for and work with whoever we come across in terms of ensuring that's happening. Right. Those are, those are some, some really great messages. Rajiv, thanks again for coming on the show. This has been really insightful. And uh, if anyone is looking to find your podcast, find your website, where could they find you? A couple of things here. One is my podcast is available on planb.live or they can go and look look up Plan B Success Podcast on any of the platforms that are out there. It's available on all the major platforms. Second is uh, my book. Uh, it's called My Inspiration, Quotes That Shape My Self-Improvement Journey. It's a book that uh, is a collection of quotes that I have written over the last five to six years. One of the things that I used to do the, over the last five to six years is come back home and then try to think through, reflect on my day and distill what I learned that day or, you know, what I experienced into one single quote. And, uh, I, you know, it kind of became a pretty large volume of work, about 650, 700 quotes. And I decided to put it together as a book and it's mm -hmm. available on Amazon worldwide. 
it's available as a physical book, an e-book, as well as an audio version is available on Audible. And it's called My Inspiration, Quotes That Shape My Self-Improvement Journey. The way I like to look at this book is, you know, when you, one of the things our elders have told us is that when you feel challenged in life, go and open up uh, any of these spiritual books, the Bible, for instance, and then whatever you open, whichever page and you read through, you know, the hope is that it starts talking to you. Same thing with this book. I would say there's no one way to read this book front or back. You know, it's for career professionals. It's for entrepreneurs. It's for executives, whoever, and they can open it up. And then whatever professional challenge or life challenge they're going through, my hope is that one of the quotes in the book is going to speak to them and help them resolve it or go through it. So that's this kind of a book. It's available on Amazon. And then my personal website is rajivmudumba.com. And it is uh, the one that houses everything that I'm doing. The courses that I just talked about, Plan B Success Blueprint and Plan B Success Reveal, they're available on that website. And it has a lot more information about all the, all the different things that I do. It has my journey. It has my blog. It has my podcast. It has my courses. It's, it's the one-stop shop for everything. Great. And I'll include links to all of those in the description in the podcast. Rajiv, thanks again for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, Josh here, checking in just one last time. Wanted to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. And if you want to keep getting more of the Solopreneur Grind content, make sure to join the email list. What I do is send three emails a week with additional content, such as what's going on in the background of my Solopreneur journey, insights I'm having on business, and updates when new podcast episodes like these come out as well. It's free. It always will be. The link to join is in the description of whatever podcast platform you're listening this to on. Really hope to have you on the list and continuing to share these awesome solopreneur journeys and insights with you as well. Have a great day and hope to see you soon.